0: So how do you stay thankful in bad times? You know, how do you how do you show an attitude of gratitude to the Lord since that seems to be real high on his agenda? People who are grateful. In fact, one of the signs of the last days is that people are ungrateful, unthankful. And we live in a we live in a country not, not without problems, but I've got over 10 million miles as a commercial pilot and as a traveling minister. And I can tell you one thing, there ain't no place I'm going but this country right here. I tell you what, you can gripe about it all you want to, switch countries, and I'll guarantee you, you'll come back and kiss the ground. Thank God it is not perfect. It has a lot of work to do, but it is a great place to live with great opportunities that other countries simply don't have for their people. There's a lot to be thankful for. Philippians 4, Philippians 4, verse 4 through 8, says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then it says you will experience God's peace, which surpasses anything you can understand. And then he says His peace will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And he says now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thought. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worth thinking about, right? Ever see this label on an aerosol can? Warning, contents under pressure. I could put that label on a lot of people I know right now. I've never seen as many stressed out people as I have in the last few months. There's a well-known stress scale. It's called the Holmes Stress Scale, and it lists the 100 most stressful events that you can have in life, you know, like the death of a mate, a divorce, a death of a loved one. On the scale, they've discovered the single most stressful time of the year is the period between Thanksgiving and New Year's. You start to worry about presents, you worry about parties, you start to worry about finances, buying gifts, and some of you worry about the relatives you're going to have to see. The stress level goes up significantly. Somebody said it's the season to be uptight and wait till you get to go to the mall after Thanksgiving. Nothing will destroy the Christmas cheer faster than trying to find a parking place. You just start worrying. You know, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving this week, so how do you stay thankful in bad times? Because everybody will have some. When analysts have nothing good to say, not much good on the news, how do you stay thankful in bad times? Verse 4 of Philippians 4 in the Passion Translation says, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. So is that possible? I mean, no matter what your circumstances are, yeah, it is. Hang with me for just a few more moments, and you'll see. So long before Thanksgiving, we're being pressed earlier and earlier with the Christmas season. So I'm going to share some strategies and scriptures so we can survive seasonal stress. Verse 6 and verse 7 of Philippians 4 it says, don't be pulled in different directions of worrying about a thing, but be saturated in prayer throughout the day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Something we have to teach our children. Say thank you. Say thank you. Would you say, Billy? Say thank you. Don't be an ingrate, Billy. Say thank you. And if you're an adult, say thank you. I was listening some doctors talk about giving a bonus or giving turkeys to their different staff, and I remember they said, not one of them said thank you. Amazing. Say thank you. I don't know, what, how much a turkey costs? I don't know. Okay. I think we have a few turkeys in here, but okay. <laughs> then he says, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So in this short passage, we have four keys to surviving some of this seasonal stress. Here's step one. He says, worry about nothing. Verse six, don't be anxious about anything. Don't fret. Don't have anxiety. That's easier said than done, right? The Smithsonian Institute magazine says that we are now living in the golden age of anxiety. We not only have micro worries, those are personal ones, but now we are confronted with macro worries, worries of the world. It's no wonder people are uptight we wake up even to an alarm clock, not a comfort clock, an alarm clock. Then people turn on the news and you see, you know, rising prices. We see chaos in almost every country on the earth. We see turbulent weather. We see driving through traffic and construction signs on almost every street in San Antonio. And you wonder why we're stressed out by the time we get to work. So Paul says we're to worry about nothing. Dr. Walter Calvert did a study on worry and made some interesting discoveries. He said 40% of our worries never even happen. So out of your list of 10 worries, pick four, throw them away. 30% of our worries concern the past, things you can't change. Worry can't change the past and worry can't control the future. All it does is rob you of energy for today so apparently, 70% of our worries are worthless. 12% of our worries are needless. They're health, health concerns. You're like the hypochondriac who had written on his tombstone, I told you I was sick. <laughs> 10% of our worries are insignificant and petty. Only 8% of our worries are actually legitimate concerns. So worrying doesn't change a thing, it's stewing without doing. You know, and for the most part, worry is a learned response. You learned it from your parents. You learned from your peers. You learned from experience. So the fact that worry is learned means it can be unlearned. You know, just a comma here, mom or dad, in your home when you face a crisis, don't panic. You know, when I was in aircraft training and when I was a scuba diver in training for rescue, Red Cross— First rule, first rule, never panic. Never panic. Don't panic. And that has stayed with me in a military family when I was a kid to this day. I don't care what happens, don't panic. That is important because it's toxic, it's contagious, and it breeds fear. And why is that your first response to panic? That's what gets people killed. Don't panic how you unlearn something. Well, do what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Boy, isn't that true? Jesus said, don't open your umbrella till it starts raining for crying out loud. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, you know, is the today you worried about yesterday. He said, don't do that. The key to reducing stress is live one day at a time. Focus on today. Focus on what can I do today to change this, to address it. And sometimes it's beyond your control. That's the easiest for me. When it's nothing I have control. I can't control what the government does. I can't control what our council does. I I can't control what construction is doing to these roads. So I don't worry about it. Now, when I can control it or have an impact on it, I'm in. Do it, but when you don't, don't worry about it. You have no control over it. All you're doing is stressing yourself out. Focus on today's issues and problems. Worry about nothing. It's interesting that when Paul wrote this, he was in jail, and he's saying, don't worry about anything. Whenever God tells us not to do something, he always has a positive replacement. Whenever God has a don't, He always follows it with a do. Anytime he says eliminate something for your life, he adds something to your life. So he says, don't get anxious. Number two, here's his solution. Pray about everything. Philippians 4 verse 6. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout the day. You don't just have a moment of prayer. You pray all the time. You get out here on 281, you're going to pray a lot. Or I-10 or 1604 or any side road or Marshall Road. There's just lots of times to pray. It's just as, as things come up that annoy you, that irritate you, that cause you anxiety or stress, pray. He's got a good, I'll tell you why in just a second, all right? He says, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Now, maybe you say, well, Rick, I just don't have time to pray but if you use the time you worry and pray, you'll have plenty of time. If you prayed as much as you worried, you'd have a whole lot less to worry about, right? You you don't have to add prayer time to your schedule. Just pray instead of the worry. Then he says, in everything, pray in everything. Now, some people think God only cares about religious prayers, but he's interested in your job, your car payments, your post-nasal drip. The heartbreak of psoriasis. Yeah, he is. He's interested in every detail of your life. So Philip's translation says, when you pray, tell God every detail of your life. Don't tell everybody. Tell God. God is concerned about big things and small things in your life. He even has the hairs on your head numbered. The God who made every thumbprint unique, every voice print unique and who made every snowflake unique, has no problem handling the specific details of your life. There's nothing you can't pray about in Scripture. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. So you can pray about anything and everything. And it says pray with petition. A petition means a specific, direct prayer. Now, most people pray too vague, and they never get answers like, God bless me. Well, what you want more hair uh a better car well i need money what tell him how much money you know like i'll give you a quarter well that's not enough well then tell god how much you need tell him he can handle that he owns everything come on y'all okay i'm i'm saying be specific some of you girls looking for a husband be specific Warm and breathing is not specific. (laughs) Tell God what you want. He can handle it. I don't care which side it's on. Tell Him what you want. Be very specific. He can read your mind anyway. You won't scare Him. You won't shock Him. I remember Charles Simpson, who was a Baptist preacher uh, years ago, uh, was a heavy smoker. Everybody that came out of the South in that day was a smoker. That that was just, you saw it on TV, Johnny Carson, every movie, everybody was puffing smoke. And he said, the hardest thing in the world was quit. He said, I went to the altar hundreds of times to repent and give up smoking. He said, never did work. And he said, the reason it didn't work is because I didn't want to quit. And one day he said, I'm just going to tell the Lord right out how I feel. He said, Lord, I love them so much I'd eat them if I could. And I don't really want to quit. But would you help me? To give this up. And he said that changed everything. And he said it wasn't a whole long time before he did. But he got honest. I mean, don't be faking it. Just be honest and say, this hurts. I don't want to do it. I've had a lot of I don't want to do it's to the Lord. And if you're not, if you're not a self-righteous legalist in here and you're honest, you'd say the same thing. It was at least in your mind and thought. I don't want to do it. Well, God knows. Tell him. Once you get honest and own it, he can help you get delivered from it. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, pour out all your worries and stress on him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. So prayer is a release valve to unload your worry. To unload in the Greek language means let it drop. Don't throw it, just let it go. That's what God says to do with your worries. Dump them on the Lord. Now, I've read studies by major life insurance companies that discovered if you attend church every week, you will live on average 5.7 years longer than people who don't. You know why? My guess is people who do attend unload on the Lord. They decompress. They let God have their worries. They're hearing His Word. They're with others with fellowship. And even I have walked in, in in our 35 years in this beginnings of this church when I didn't feel well, when I didn't feel healthy, when I felt depressed or concerned about something. And in bringing the Word, I remember I walked out a different man. I just preached myself happy, hopeful, encouraged, and well. So it works for me. It works for you. It works for everybody. You drag in here half dead and you go out dancing. You feel good. I got a hope. I've got a chance. I've got a potential for a turnaround. And that's what coming does for you. It helps you. So if you don't talk it out to God, you'll take it out on your body. And when you swallow your worries, your stomach keeps score. So let it go. Unload it. Verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 5, the Phillips translation. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties on the Lord for you are his personal concern. And then James writes this, you don't have because you don't ask God. I, I, I don't know why people are afraid to ask God for stuff or for whatever they want. And it's, it, in the Greek language, it's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on finding. You quit too soon. Keep, have you ever had your kid ask you for something? You said no, and they just bugged you flat to death until finally you said Okay. Well, keep asking, Daddy. How bad do you want it? If one requests, you didn't want it very bad. I mean, it'll drive you. Remember the unjust judge who feared no man and the little powerless widow woman went to seek a righteous judgment and he feared nobody, but she, he wouldn't see her. And she kept coming and coming and coming. He said, this woman is driving me mad. I'm going to go nuts. Let me, let me talk to her. And she got what she wanted and God talked about persistent prayers. Some of you need to get on the job and tell God what you want. Stay with it. Ask Him to help you with those worries, those problems, those stresses. Here's the insight. No problems too big, no problems too small to pray about. Paul says, if you want to relieve stress, here's what to do. Worry about nothing, number one. Pray about everything, number two. Number three, thank God in all things. And when you pray, pray with thanksgiving here's the good news version always asking him with a thankful heart see whenever you pray always pray with thanksgiving there's a lot to be thankful for even in your dire situation I was taking this is really sad for me being old school our dog care was one shot a year when I grew up and we kicked the mud out the back door and that's where he stayed And if we came and threw him a bone, he is the happiest dog in the world. Now, oh no, now doctors are multimillionaires that are vets. Now we have to have health care for the dumb dog. Now it's like taking a kid for a doctor's visit. And now they have doggy daycare. So Cindy has our dog in doggy daycare. And I thought, you lucky mutt, you, you live better than most kids. Anybody but me got, got some of that going on? And while I was driving, I was just, I got in one of those moods where I just thanking God. I said, Lord, I th- it's a cold morning. Thank you. I got heat in the house. Thank you for electricity. Thank you. I have a roof over my head. Thank you. I have food in my belly. Thank you. I have clothes warm to wear. Thank you. I have a vehicle to drive. Thank you. I have a job. I didn't, we didn't talk about high, low, just everything, a refrigerator. Thank you, Lord, for a microwave. Yes. Thank God for the opportunities we have. Thank you, I wasn't born in Iraq or Iran. Thank you, I was born in America. you got problems, but I thank you for putting me here. Thank you for good health. Thank you for a mind that still works. Thank you for good friends. Thank you for a few people who actually love you. Thank you for that, right? I mean, there's, you could just go on and on and on. He says, that's how I want you to approach me, thanking me, always. The healthiest human emotion is not love. It's gratitude. I am so grateful. On my lowest level, I am so grateful. It actually increases or strengthens your immune system. It makes you more resistant to stress and less susceptible to illness. It is our healthiest emotion gratitude. Grateful people are happy people. Ungrateful people are miserable because nothing makes them happy. They're never satisfied. It's never enough. It's never good enough. So we cultivate the attitude of gratitude, of being thankful in everything, and when we do, it reduces stress in my life. Remember that old song? Some of you old folks with gray hair will remember, count your blessings, name them one by one and it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. That's a good thing to do, and I've done it on many occasions, sat down with a legal pad and made a list of all the things I'm grateful for. You know, my spouse, my children, uh, that they know the Lord, my good friends, our staff for good health, so many wonderful things He's even done for me in the past. Bring them back up and remember, forget not all His benefits, He said. You won't remember them all, but remember some forget not all His benefits, Psalms 103. Be thankful in all things, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Now listen to this. This is the most abused Scripture. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Notice He doesn't say give thanks for every circumstance. He says give thanks to God in all circumstances. You wouldn't thank God for a car wreck. You wouldn't thank God you've got cancer. You, you wouldn't give thanks for evil and war in the world. If my children were murdered, I wouldn't give thanks for that. The Bible says in every circumstance, give thanks, not for the circumstance. What's the difference? Even out of evil, setback, or trouble, God can bring good So no matter what the circumstance, you can give God thanks because, number one, He's got a purpose bigger than the problem you're facing. Number two, He will give me the power to overcome and get through that problem. And number three, I will grow through that experience if I allow it to help me grow. In everything, give thanks to God. In fact, if you're not experiencing the attitude of gratitude, you're out of the will of God. So how can I be grateful when I've lost so much, Rick? I've lost my job, or maybe you've lost your health, or a husband, a wife. How can I be thankful for that? You don't look at what you lost, you look at what you still have left, Sparky, and you've got an awful lot left. You're still alive, you still have friends, you still have opportunity. God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. If they're believers, we'll be reunited. My whole point is, there's a lot to be thankful for. Thank you for the good memories of this loved one. I miss them dearly, but thank you. I can't can't lose the memories I have, and I'll be reunited in a day. I can be thankful for people who are loving me and caring for me during a bad time. Those are grateful things. Don't just sit around and suck your thumb and go into self-pity. I hear the cry of a baby. So the question is, What are you taking for granted? Your health, your freedom, your relationships? In everything, give thanks. Gratitude is a stress reliever because it gets your mind off the problem and puts it on the positive things in your life and the power of God to get you through this problem. And by the way, thanks and giving, as I said earlier, go together. You express thanks by giving. And the most giving people are the most thankful and grateful people. It's an expression of gratitude. I am so thankful I can buy some presents for these children, and I don't have to have you buy me some. I am so grateful I can help someone else. I'm so grateful that I can work for myself. I'm just, Lord, I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your goodness and kindness. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, God could have squashed me and you like a bug, but he kept you alive. You yeah, he loves you. And I'm thinking, I, don't, I, I got a lot of flaws. Ingratitude ain't one of them. I am a very grateful man and grateful to God for what I do have. Some people are always focusing on what they don't have, and they ignore thanks for what they do have. And we do have so much. So worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Give thanks in all things. And last, think about the right things. Think about the right things. Philippians 4, verse 8. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on everything authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts. That's like, screw it down. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. You know, I've always quoted Philippians 1, 6 in every trial. God says, that which I have begun in you, Ricky G., I will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. If God started it, God will finish it. Whether you're 100 years old and need a baby, or whether you need to cross a Red Sea, or whether you need to eat, God will send a bird, a dirty bird, to feed you. And by the way, God can control unsaved people and use them to help you. God has no problem attaching resources for your situation or need. So this last thought's simple. If you want to reduce stress levels in your life, change the way you think. The Bible says... Uh, as a man thinks, so is he. Whatever you put your mind in, whatever you go in your mind is going to come out like a computer. Garbage in, garbage out. What you think about most of the time and feed your mind on most of the time is what's going to come out of your life. As a man thinks, so is he. So if we took a survey, any church USA in America, this one, and we did a survey. And we found out how people think you would know exactly why they are where they are and what they are just how they think and you learn that first as a kid in a home you know how the culture of a home the culture of a business is is what you tolerate what you don't tolerate but there's always a solution I've never said to my wife my God I don't know what we're going to do that has never come out of my mouth I may not know what to do today but God will provide me the wisdom to know what to do and it will come If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and will not withhold. I'll get the answer. There are no hopeless people, and there are no hopeless situations in this room or watching on live stream today. Not one. God is the God of all hope, Corinthians says. And we ought to be the most hopeful, positive, expectant people. I may be down for the moment, but it ain't permanent. I'm coming back. I may be out of a job for the moment, but my God will supply all my needs. that's how I attack every single problem that comes to me my family, our children or this church whether it's a health issue or whatever God's given me a weapon to attack it the word of God it's a sharp two-edged sword it's quite a whining and complaining and quoting what your mommy said or your daddy said and poisoned your mind and limited you to think like a pygmy you'll never kill a giant people that kill giants think way bigger I killed a lion. I killed a bear. God will give me this giant Philistine too. I'll have your head in just a few minutes. And you need to be able to say that to your problems. God's love you. He's for you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. I don't know how God will get me through this, but I know I'm coming out. He said he would deliver me. And I'm saying to you, think like that. Talk like that. Watch your language. What comes out of your mouth? That negativity in a family, a home, or a marriage will ruin you. The Bible says, In the power of the tongue is life and death. And so you want your mouth to express life and love and God's will, not the negativity of the world or somebody's bad report. Speak life into people. The way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. So, Paul says, if you want to change your life, you need to start changing what you think about. We're told to think about things that are good and true and noble and right and admirable. Does that describe how you talk? Does that describe a typical movie or TV program? The root cause of stress is the way I choose to think. You can take two people, put them in the same circumstance. One of them falls apart. The other one rides through it with no problem. Remember, Remember uh, David and Saul? King Saul saw saw the giant, and he said, my God, he's too big to kill. David looked at him and said, dear God, he's too big to miss. They saw the same problem. you got Joshua and Caleb. They see the giant walled cities and the giant people, and the ten spies says, we are grasshoppers. And old Joshua and Caleb said, hmm, they're bred for us. Let us go up at once and take this land. But two different people think totally different. So obviously the problem is not the problem. It's my response to the problem, how I perceive the problem. See, how you're interpreting life. And that's my choice. That's your choice. So your problem is not your problem. Your problem is how you choose to respond to your problem. You've got to think about it in the right way. What dominates your mind? What do you think about the most? And whatever you think about the most is what you're going to become. That's why if you just hang around one group of people, they can become toxic and poison the way you think. I will not let one political ideology control me. I will not let one ethnic group control my mind. I am a free will, a free spirit, and I have the right in the image of God to think, to discern, to make a wise choice. I will never give my body or my mind to a group. I give it to God's Word. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it is wrong. I don't care what group you're in. And that includes the church. This allegiance to a group, not truth, will lead you astray and limit your growth potential. I am the product of multicultural, uh, multiracial, multinationality, connections over this whole world in 75 years that has been a blessing to my life I think bigger I have larger vision I settle for for I want more I won't settle for less but that's being around people who think bigger so if all you did is just think in your neighborhood about what mom and daddy and your aunt and uncle said you may be living like a pygmy when you can think bigger and rise and then get expect to get criticized but who do you think you are? I just think I'm a lot bigger than you're living, mama, that's all. Yeah, you know, my daddy was married and divorced like five times. I'm not judging my daddy. I love my daddy. He's, sucker still around, 100 years old. He just had a birthday a week ago, 100 years old. I think God said, don't want him yet. Yeah, yeah, don't want him yet. I, I don't know, but my attitude wasn't well, then I'll just live that way. My attitude was, I don't want a home that way. I don't want a marriage that way. I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to let my father's behavior dictate my behavior. If my father was an abuser of uh, of his spouse, that's not, I won't, I, I don't have to behave that way. You're not a victim. You have the power to choose. You can choose what you think. You can choose what you do. Choose wisely. So if you want to become like Christ, You better start thinking like he thinks, not a Republican, not a Democrat, not Assembly of God, not Catholic, not Baptist. Think like Jesus, and he's going to offend every one of them at some place, right? And the result of doing that, filling your mind with God's Word, is you'll worry about less. You'll pray about everything. You'll be able to thank God in any situation. You'll keep your mind on the right things, and the result, verse 7, If you do it, you will experience God's peace, which will surpass human understanding. His peace will guard your thoughts and your mind as you trust in Christ Jesus. What a guarantee. God says, I'll guarantee you peace of mind. And have you noticed what everybody seems to be looking for? Peace. It's amazing what people will do to find peace. Yoga, crystals, therapy, special diets, self-hypnotism those things just contribute to more unrest. They run from one thing to another, one counselor to the next, one church to another looking for peace of mind, one spouse to another spouse. And the Bible says God's peace is a gift. It can't be explained, duplicated, or fabricated. It's a gift of God. Well, how do you get that kind of a peace of mind that guards my heart and gives me peace when I'm under pressure? that will keep me calm in a crisis, that will give me strength in the storm, that will help me to be thankful in bad times. How do I get that kind of peace? The key is the last phrase of that verse, as you trust in Christ Jesus. It's a relationship. You can open your heart to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, come in and give me the peace of mind that comes when I know I'm in the center of your will. And look at this. It says, his peace will keep your thoughts. That word keep is a military term, and it means a garrison of troops, of soldiers. So when Apostle Paul is writing to these Philippian people, it was a Roman city, a colony protected by the Roman legion. And the Roman legion, the sentry guards, kept the peace of the city. God says, when I trust Jesus and his word, he will put a sentry guard on my mind. See, he keeps me at peace when everything wants to come unraveled like a cheap sweater. So, what's got you worried today? Your health, your finances, your marriage, your children, your job. If you take these simple four steps and let Jesus become the sentry guard of your mind and the center of your life, you find a peace your neighbors can't fathom. It's just unimaginable. And it's something you do daily. You know, you could pray about a situation and feel better, but it's coming back. Pray again. Do the same thing. This is how you rid yourself of that. Because the enemy loves to have you worry. Loves to see you distressed, Loves to see you in sorrow with a broken heart. Loves you to feel whole. He loves it. And if for no other reason you ought to get mad and say, I'm not going to let him see me sweat and you throw some scripture at him, and you thank Jesus for all he has done and how he delivered you in the past. When David went against Goliath, he didn't say, I'm more than enough for you, Jack. He said, God gave me a lion. God gave me a bear. I've got a little history going. I'm not cocky, I'm confident. I've got a history with God, and he got me through that. He'll get me through you, turkey. You're coming down. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.